All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness podcast. I am here with a longtime friend, um, CrossFit Games athlete, and also the owner of CrossFit <laughs> Max Effort, yeah. Zach Forrest. <laughs> Zach, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Good to see you. You are a CrossFit <laughs> Games athlete. What are you talking about? <laughs> has been. It's a, ha- it's a has been. <laughs> There's no has been. <laughs> So, so, so guys, Zach and I have known each other a long time. Uh, and what I really want to talk to him about today, which is extremely unique, I think in our industry, but, but it's something that people take into consideration is specifically drop-ins. So Zach owns CrossMax Effort, which is in Vegas and Las Vegas, as we all know, is a destination location for almost everybody in the world. And so he has quite a few drop-ins that come in. And what I want to talk to him about is, can you, you know, can you actually create a business based on drop-ins, or do you have to rely on a regular reoccurring monthly memberships? And so that was one of the topics I want to talk about. Also, you you had one location, expanded to three, now you have three. Right. Then, you know, you've had, you know, ups and downs of business as everybody else. Want to talk a little bit about that? Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys. So we're going to do a 20-minute AMRAP on this one. Um, Zach is known for hitting 20-minute AMRAPs with intensity, and that's what we're going to do. Here we go. <laughs> in three, two, one, and let's go. So, so Zach, um, here we are. We're in Vegas uh, I was going to say Vegas, California. Obviously, we're not in California. <laughs> we're in Vegas, Nevada. And on on a on a consistent basis, how many drop-ins do you see here at the gym? Uh, as of late, probably anywhere from five to ten a day. Five to ten a day. Yeah, five and to then, ten a day. So you know, when we started our gym back in 2008, I always said, "Hey, you know, if our business model is predicated on you know becoming profitable." Um, based on drop-in fees, we might have the wrong model. And this was like at our gym regular. Right. So we never charged. Maybe maybe we got you know a t-shirt, something like that. Right. But your business is a little bit different. You, in some classes, might have more drop-ins than you have con- regular members. And it so- has happened. Yeah, absolutely. We've had, we've had buses pull up. We've had classes where <laughs> we've had literally 20 drop-ins. Yeah, bachelor parties, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so on that note, right, one of the reasons why we just started charging for drop-ins um, you know, first session's free, but then after that, we, we require a, a payment is because people were taking advantage of it and our members were getting frustrated because here you are, you're a paying member and you're having a bunch of free drop-ins that consistently come in and take up your, you know, coaching space, right? That's, that's 100% true. And that's, I mean, I realized this from the beginning, from opening up the first location on the strip that was, um, an actual CrossFit affiliate. We, nobody really opens up a CrossFit affiliate or these gyms to, to cater to a drop into a person that you're going to see maybe that one time. Uh, so when we opened up, I, I saw this as a potential problem, not as a potential boon. And because back in the day in 2008, 2009, it was, you wanted to, uh, proliferate, you wanted to expand the culture and the community that was so, so awesome where it was like, oh, you're in town? Yeah. Come on don't, by. Come on yeah. by. You right, don't need right, to pay. Right, right, right. Give me a t-shirt, whatever. I, remember, I don't know if you remember the old school CrossFit Las Vegas when we had all those t-shirts yep, hanging yep, around. Yep, yeah. yep. Everybody would so, just bring a different t-shirt. Exactly. In. Yep. And you would do this trade. And then it got to the point to where it was like, we're getting so many drop-ins that we can't do that and give our members the same quality service. So if we were just offering free training to drop-ins to visiting athletes, one, people would abuse that. People are in town for Vegas sometimes for a week at a time and they would get here and take up coaching resources and equipment and space resources. Um, But two, I realized, you know, $20 is not a lot to to ask for the service that we provide and I can use that money to give not only the drop-ins a better experience, but our members a much better experience. So the overwhelming majority of the money that we actually see from 
drop-ins and apparel sales goes right back into the business. So the membership can benefit from it. Right. And I, I think what's interesting, you and I were talking about this, and I, I really, really loved what you said about it. You said, I said to you, do you think you could have a gym location that is primarily all drop-ins, right? And when we opened up our gym in, in Cabo, Mexico, so we have a location, yep. very much so a destination location yep. similar to yours. And what our business model was originally, we said, hey, we'll have the locals support and break us even, and we'll have the drop-ins create profitability. That was like our like kind of idea. Right. Now, what we recognized is, to your point, it's challenging to rely on drop-ins to create your profitability. You need to just have that monthly reoccurring revenue. And as a CrossFit gym owner in particular, or even as a coach just in anything, you want to see your 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 members uh, excel. You want to see your members develop. And you can't do that as, as a, as on a it's, drop-in basis, which, which you yeah. brought up was probably one of the toughest things about having a drop-in only location, right? Yeah. I mean, it's extremely hard to, to forge a, a relationship that's meaningful in any way uh, beyond that single day, that single experience with, with someone that's only going to be there for such a short amount of time. And, it's, and here's the thing. If you focus, in my mind, if you focus on just breaking even, like that phrase right there, just breaking even with your local membership, that automatically deprioritizes your interaction with those people when, in, in my opinion, that needs to be the priority. Even if you do only break even, any manager at a, at a fitness facility or location or business right there will automatically start looking at the drop-ins as the priority because they're the ones driving profit. Yeah, that's and so a, that can change the culture and the dynamic of a given location. That's a really good point. And I, I think that's a, a very valid point. And so we saw that in Cabo, right? Yep. So for us, originally, we're like, oh, this is maybe the idea. And we had to you know, pivot real quickly and just say, hey, I mean, I don't think we ever gave precedent to either group, but that was like our business model. And now we're saying, wow, the local community can really support this business. Yeah. We could do phenomenal things. And the drop-ins are just kind of like a plus on top. Um, exactly. And, uh, you know, to, to bring up another point that I thought was interesting you and I were speaking about and to the gym owners out there is this idea of being reliant on drop-ins is very challenging. To your point, you had a new gym open up on the strip and yep. you've seen your drop-ins decrease by roughly 33% or more. Yeah, about a third. A third. That's a problem. And Yeah, and it's it's a problem in the sense that we don't get as much of that bonus as we, as we used to. Um, like I was saying, bonus quote-unquote because – uh, it was it was something that was kind of getting to the point where we anticipated. We don't need it. Obviously, the business is still profitable and still able to stay open based off local membership. I, I think that's that's a fundamental of the aspect uh, of running the business. But um, but it, it was something that is one of those factors that isn't completely within your control. No, it's so not. it's it's hard to 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 build a business around something that's so variable. That's right. I mean, just think about drop-ins in particular. They probably land at their hotel in the Strip. They probably go on Google. They go on Google Maps, whatever it is. They look up CrossFit or yep. fitness, whatever they yep. look up. They see the first one closest to them. Yep. And if they don't have to jump in a taxi and go as far and save some money, exactly. boom, they're going to go there. They don't care about your level of service. They don't care Correct. about the facility as much. And so to your point, it's so outside your control that if you're building a business that's that's primarily focused on this thing that's outside your control, it's going to be very, very challenging. Especially on the Strip. it's People don't come to Vegas to look for the CrossFit gym. They, they don't even go to Vegas to 
look for the experience of coming to CrossFit Max Effort because at a certain point I got so egotistical, right? When we're talking about pitfalls, ego, business owner ego is a big one for me that I got that. <laughs> we got to talk about it. Well, yeah, that it got to the point where I was like, people will seek out the experience um, of Max Effort because of our reputation. Right. And, and then I realized that reputation is there because we haven't had any competition. Boom, competition opens up. We lost some some revenue. No big deal. But it just put things into perspective for me that, wow, people are prioritizing convenience over an experience. Right, right. right? And how are they going to know about the experience unless they've had, the uh, unless they've won, yeah, exactly, they've had the previous experience and we get a lot of return drop-ins and a lot of return visitors all the time. But two, um, unless they've, they've talked to someone that has been at our gym and that they know the difference or the, the difference in quality of level of coaching and the experience that, that happens well, when you come here. Well, which brings me to another point. So, so we're talking about drop-ins, and in particular what we found with, with, with drop-ins is that you can't create a business model based off them because they're so variable, they're so outside your control. I think right. we could all agree on that. I think drop-ins are a great additional source of revenue if you could utilize it, yep. but I don't think it's something that you should. It's kind of like retail sales. It's a nice additional revenue stream, but it shouldn't be the foundation of your business. It's, aux- it's auxiliary. It's, it's an auxiliary it's not revenue. a main yep. source. That's Correct. right. Even yeah. in a place like Vegas. And as you've seen, right, if you had been more and more focused on the drop-in, what would have happened today if the drop-ins dropped by 30%, right, you'd be in a much worse position. Much worse position. But let's talk about your, your, your expansion and what you've learned. So drop-ins, I think we've learned that, you know, in our Cabo location, your location, they're great, but let's not focus too much on it. And I think from both of our experiences, we could agree. Now, with the general business, I'm sitting in a, what is this, 15,000 square, 16, 16, 16, square yep. feet. So we have a location in Santa Clara that's 16,000 square feet. And I make the argument that's too big. Yep. And as, as CrossFit evolved, I always thought bigger is better, bigger is better, bigger locations. <laughs> didn't we all? <laughs> and, didn't we all? And then all of a sudden you start realizing, man, do we really need all this space? It's a lot more expensive to upkeep. It's a lot more expensive for it to keep clean and um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so my question to you is, you said that this might be too big. I agree that ours is too big. Our model now is about four to 6,000 square feet. But one of the things that you and I were talking about is, yes, you could sublease space. I think you had to do that at one of your locations. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, you, yeah. Well, no, we haven't done that, but we're looking at it. Yeah. Subleasing out some space because yep. you didn't need the space. Um, but what I really wanted to talk to you about was you went from one location, the one that used to be inside like a, the, the sports center. Sports center. Yeah, that was 6,000 square feet. 6,000, yep. right? And then you expanded to three locations. Yep. And what have you learned? So for us, when we expanded to three locations, we learned a lot. We learned we needed more systems and procedures. We learned that, you know, you know, uh, all kinds of things. But one of the things I want to talk to you about, number one, what did you learn about the ego side? Number two is, I thought it was really interesting that you said, hey, I tried a 30-minute style class and yeah. it didn't pick up. So yeah. I want to talk about that next. But let's first talk about the the, the three gyms. What's the biggest pitfall or learning lesson that you think you have for gym owners looking to open up a second or third location? Um, not not having a team in place to run the first location exactly how you want it before you step away. So in order to expand, you, you're going to need to divide your time more, obviously, as, as the owner. And what I realized was I thought the gym was operating a certain way when I wasn't there. And I realized after stepping away, it wasn't. And it wasn't that it was running worse. It was just running differently. And expansion and uh, growth 
especially with multiple locations, depends on consistency. Yep. So, and consistency with your expectations. So, even if something is happening at a high quality, if it's not up to the expectation of the person who's leading the team, it's going to lead to poor communication and it's going to lead to less consistency between two locations. And so it's- Would you say that you didn't, not to cut you off, but would you say you didn't set the expectation appropriately? Uh, Absolutely. Here's here's something directly related to ego. Um, I am probably one of the worst managers that I've ever met (laughs) is myself. And and I have a hard time communicating effectively what my desired outcome is uh, and, and realistic expectations because I, to a fault, treat everybody exactly how I treat, how I would want to be treated or yeah, how I would expect someone to treat me. That's so funny. I brought that up in a, in a, in a recent video I did where, you know, I, I, I'm not the kind of guy who wants to be manage, manage, manage. But what I recognize is that I never gave anybody set expectations. I didn't give them clear guidance and direction. And so I would always be let down. Yep. But I'm being let down because I didn't give any clear guidance and direction. But yep. that's because I didn't necessarily like it. And I had to learn that, guys, people want structure. They want exactly. to know what they're getting themselves in. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's and the that biggest was, thing you've learned, huh? And I think this is common with a lot of business owners or a lot of people that have that entrepreneurial drive, right? Where it's like, I can't be micromanager. I can't be um, given so much structure to where like I can't figure things out or I can't depend on my ability to figure things out. It's like I would love to be able to take a coach and say, hey, this is the outcome or this is the end result that I want, right? And that coach is like, okay, well, what else? Give me the tools to get there. Exactly. And I I sit back and and it makes sense now, but I would originally sit back and be like, well, nobody ever gave me the tools. I had to go out and figure it out myself. So it's like, so should you. And now you're demanding basically these people that you're hiring to be entrepreneurs and they they might I mean, not be. They, they that may might not, not be, be equipped to do that. Exactly. I think that's an incredible takeaway for any of the owners out there. If you're looking for a second location before you pursue it, right? Start thinking about systems and procedures. I wish I had done it differently as well. Yeah. Right now, we're at a point with the number of locations we have. We have set session plans, programming, quarterly reviews, this, that, other thing, and it sets the expectation with job leveling criteria and different things that say so we don't have these problems that we had five years ago. And and, and so my question to you is. Um, so, but yeah, just to clarify, ahead. like I had a lot of procedures in place. What I did not have was two things. One, an effective means of communicating and training my staff on those procedures. Okay. Right. And two, I didn't have a leader at each location. I was still the one leader that was, that was expected to be everywhere all the time. Right. So in retrospect, it wasn't necessarily the procedures that I had the difficulty with. I come up with those relatively easy. What I had a hard time was finding someone who could manage better than I could ah. because I suck at it. Well, and that, I think that's an incredible lesson to be learned. You could have all the docs in the world, but if you don't have the right people in place, specifically exactly. those with management exactly. skills. Yes. You know, some of the people that we've hired that I think have changed the game are the people with a little bit more soft skills than I have, right? Um, that can get a little bit more on the emotional intelligence side. They're able to communicate really well and they effectively manage because they, they could they listen, they hear. Yeah. Like whereas with me, sometimes I'm a little bit like I'm not quite as um not emotional, but sensitive. But like, here's the thing, like I, I've known you for going on what, like a decade now, right? Yeah. And I consider you to be one of the best people, people persons, person people, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, people yeah, yeah, people yeah. that I've ever met. Like you yeah. have great energy, you're super charismatic, right? Um you 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 speak well. You're like like your energy, your vibe, your mannerisms, 
they lend itself to being well liked about uh, from people. And and I t- I try to consider myself the same light. Like I actually try to mimic you in some things oh, that I do, right? Because yeah. um, we I try and take something from everybody. But that is a different skill set. Is and that's what I'm finding. It's like I don't need necessarily people people to be managers. Yeah, th- it's on some level. But I need people that can communicate ideas and concepts better than I can. You're a great coach. Like I've watched you coach and lead a group, and it's like when we're on the floor giving direction and communicating there, that's way different than, hey, Justin, I need you to learn how to check uh, roster retention so you can send emails right. and make sure that our athletes right. are still coming in. And, and, like yeah, That's, that's completely right. different. And making sure those people, whoever you put in place, disseminate the information that you're sharing effectively. So yeah. Like, so like one of the problems we've had in the past is where we would share information, but maybe there would be some conflict there where maybe the person wasn't 100% bought in, and so they wouldn't share it the same way. Exactly, yes. So these are, these are big takeaways, I think, for people finding the right people. Because the problem is once you leave the location, all of a sudden it's you got to have them. someone. That's exactly. right. Exactly, yeah. That's right. That's a very interesting point. And so um, with these podcasts, I like to keep the, the AMRAP mentality on these. Um, I would like to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about this 30-minute class. One of the oh, things yeah, you yeah. and I were talking about was that your membership has seen, you know, a little bit of a drop off a little yep, bit, yep. right? You have different gyms in place. And yep. one of the things that we noticed is that, you know, 10 years ago, whatever, when you opened six years ago, the people who wanted CrossFit found their home right? yeah. in the last couple of years, they seek it out, they find their home. Yep. But now there's this whole other demographic, right? That we've been, you know, ignoring tapping. for the most part. That's right. Yeah. And we've been trying to tap in one with the 30 minute classes, 45 minute classes, et cetera. Now you said you've tried these classes and they weren't as effective. And I think Maybe the reason for that, and I, and I would be curious what you think, is that we're trying to go after the same demographic, the CrossFit space, with a product that's not necessarily what they're looking for, yep. versus going after this other marketplace with a product they are looking for. Correct. And then maybe we funnel them into our CrossFit classes. Yeah. And, and that, that's ab- absolutely true. Um, you can't market to non-CrossFitters the same way that you would market to CrossFitters because it's a completely different, one, mentality, usually mindset about fitness and two it's a different it's a different price point and product it's a different service right so but we tried the 45 or a 30 to 45 minute class we now have it at a 45 minute class we call it our work class um and it has become our on-ramp our intro uh group training which is a great place for it Yeah. yeah and and the reason i think it didn't work is because half for two reasons half of the um half the equation was our marketing was like you said it was it was targeted poorly. We didn't, we did not attract or go after the right people Two, Um, I, I don't think our coaches were 100% bought into it. I was just about to say that. And that, yeah. that's mandatory. It, oh, absolutely. It, it, absolutely. If your coaches don't support anything, it's not going to do well. That's right. And I think that that comes into properly explaining what you want to do and why you want to do it, right. but then making sure you put the right person in place. Like, look, I have coaches who are diehard about Olympic li- lifting. Yep. I have others that really love just kind of, you know, they're really good cheerleaders. Really, they, they create a great environment. They're they're yeah. phenomenal, but they're not necessarily the most technical, right? Right. Maybe they're better off in a 30-minute express style class, right? And they're passionate about yep. that, right? Exactly. And, and I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, I do want to touch base on one thing, though. When we were talking about marketing, you said historically you haven't done much authentic, like traditional marketing. Correct. Paid yep. ads. Yep, don't really Flyer. do it. I'm starting to get into it. Right. I haven't done it. Yep. And, and so I think what we're, what we're talking about is, you know, what what do you think was the kind of triggering moment that said, man, you've been in business now how many years? Seven? Uh, we started in 2009. Yeah, so yeah. nine, right? Yeah, nine years, yeah. Right, and now after nine years, you're saying, you know what? We might need to look into some paid ads or some 
you know, door hangers or flyers or whatever. More conventional well, marketing and advertising. Yeah, well, now, yeah. now, what kind of switched the pit, you know, created that switch in your brain? Um, it started a while ago when I saw the, the data trending that way because we weren't doing anything different. Um, but what really hit that nail on the head for me or what really spoke to me was recently we had this event. It was called BYOF, Bring Your Own Friend Week. Okay. Right? And I remember back in the day, uh, it was just a week of classes where you could bring someone in um, and the staff was briefed on. They were prepped to receive people that had no experience to across the class, right? Sure. And uh, do our thing and wow them and, and amazing experience. And I remember back in the day, uh, earlier on, we had tried the same thing. And I'm talking like eight, nine years ago. Sure, sure, we sure. Taught, we tried something called Share the Pain and how explosive Share the Pain was and how much attention it got and how many bodies would come in through the door. And then I looked at this Bring Your Own Friend thing, which all we did was change the name. We didn't market or execute really differently. Uh, and I would and actually say Bring Your bring your Friend is a more appealing, inclusive, yeah, exactly, appealing exactly. than Share the Pain. Demographic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it brought in about a tenth of the people. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so our word of mouth, our referrals is, while still going to be the majority of our of our business, new business, we need to find other avenues. Huh. That's, that's what it was. Okay. So I, I want, I'm, I'm going to push out this AMRAP like one Go, or two minutes. I, I do it. have a question on that. So that's, that's really, really cool. To, not cool, but that's interesting information. Yep. Tried something years ago, very successful. Tried yep. something this time, you not know, successful. not successful, <laughs> less successful. <laughs> and, and, and w- would you attest that to, would you say that your members that were diehard have already brought in their friends? Yeah. Or would you say that the demographic in this area that's interested in this particular product yep. has already been tapped in? You need a little bit of both, and now it's your job to explain the net? Absolutely. What do you think? Well, the, here's the thing. You can't look at it and just take what I said at face value because there's so many other variables that of go course. into it. And the number one variable that I would attribute it to is because all of their friends who would be interested in CrossFit are, are doing it somewhere yep. else. And yep. now back when we were successful with Share the Pain in 2009, 2010, there was 10 gyms in town. Now there's close to 40. Right. So it's like, okay, that makes sense. Now, what are all those gyms doing as far as marketing is concerned? What do my what do I need to do that they're not doing to get the people that they're not getting? Because well, there's so many CrossFitters in a town, and if there's 40 gyms, they're going to pick which one's the most convenient, or they might shift around here or there a little bit. They choose based on price, uh, where their friends go, convenience, stuff like that. Let's get the people that aren't actively looking for CrossFit and introduce them to CrossFit. Yep. And so you're you're going to start taking an active marketing approach on that. And I Absolutely. Think, I think it's necessary. You know, I look at you know, let's just for the sake of argument, look at Orange Theory. Every single day, they're blasting ads. Now they have a ton of marketing dollars behind yeah. them, but they're they're getting in front of people's faces. So when people think about fitness, whether it be Crossfit, this that, they're thinking about that because they keep seeing it every day. It's just impressions over it's and over and over. Yeah, that's and advertising so, 101. Yeah. And so whether you whether it's CrossFit or anything else, if you could create this really you know, engaging, inclusive marketing package and you put it on a consistent basis, when that person is ready to make a buying decision, yeah. you hope that you're at least You're at the at. forefront of their brain. Exactly. You're just, you're basically paying for mind space. That's right. Exactly. You're, you're paying for brain. mind space. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, Zach, I got to tell you, man, got three locations. Um, you know, there's always ups and downs in business, as we all know. Got to keep our head down, keep trucking along and start understanding that we're in the fitness space. Yep. Let's get out there. Let's share our message of all these beautiful things you've been doing in here with as many people as possible you know alternative revenue streams and drop-ins it's great but it can't be the focus of the business can't it needs be the to just backbone. be another, yep. can't be the backbone you've seen it both sides yep. and um yeah thanks again man really yeah, appreciate dude. it love having you out good seeing you man all right bro